Hey, what's going on? Thank you for coming back to another episode of On The Mic With Mike. I am your podcast host, Instructor Mike. You can follow me on Facebook at Mike Brown or Instructor Mike. You can also subscribe to my YouTube channel at Instructor Mike or follow me on Instagram at Yes Mike Said It. So we are unfortunately talking about a tragic situation that occurred in Aurora, Illinois. Aurora, Illinois. And we're talking about the February 15th shooting at the Aurora, Illinois-based Henry Pratt Company. Uh, we're talking about Gary Martin, a 45-year-old Illinoisan who uh, entered the workplace that he had been working at uh, the Henry Pratt, Pratt Company for approximately 15 years, and he was due to be terminated that day. Uh, it's unknown whether uh, Martin knew he was going to be terminated, but let's, let's be honest. Sometimes you get the feeling when you know you're about to be terminated, and when he was being terminated, he pulled out a Smith & Wesson 40 caliber firearm and took the lives of five people uh, at that company, five defenseless American Illinoisans who were just doing their job. OK, and so in uh, after that, then a shooting uh, continued to take place where uh, there were other employees who were hit. And there were also five responding Aurora police officers who were also shot and wounded in the situation. OK, uh, and when the police began to arrive, uh, the police arrived four minutes after the shooting took place, according to CNN. Uh, and some people call this a fake news outlet, whatever the case may be. I'm just reporting on the information that was put out there. Police arrived four minutes after the first call and came under immediate fire from Martin, possibly from a window, according to police sources. Uh, one officer was hit outside with other officers. They were uh, hit as they uh, entered the building, according to Aurora Police Chief uh, Zemin. The police used a Bearcat, which is an armored vehicle, to breach the facility, uh, helping the officers get inside, according to Aurora Deputy Police Chief Keith Jackson. The shooting then stopped as Martin apparently hid deeper within the warehouse, setting off a manhunt. And about an hour and a half later, the officers found Martin in the rear machine shop and gunfire was exchanged after Martin opened fire first. Officers fired back, striking and killing him. OK, and uh, I was watching the. Uh, uh, the news telecast that day it was actually on Facebook with ABC seven eyewitness news uh, investigative reporter Chuck Gowdy uh, and a couple of other reporters. And as they were reporting it, you first heard that it was one person who uh, was the threat was neutralized. This was the terminology they were using that day. And of course, if you've been in law enforcement circles, you know the play on words in terms of that term being used, that if the threat was neutralized, this is just a fancy way of saying that the threat was killed. OK, uh, but in any event, uh, the worst news came out that we did not want to hear, uh, which was five persons lost their lives and five officers had been shot. We heard about the officers being shot and wounded. None of them had been killed in that incident. And um, we later heard uh, at the Aurora police conference with Governor J.B. Pritzker of Illinois uh, that the five people immediately involved in that, including an intern, it was his first day as an HR intern, he unfortunately lost his life. And so the purpose of this podcast is to examine how a person like Gary Martin 
ended up with a firearm. According to the Illinois State Police, he was not supposed to be in the possession of a firearm. So let's go over the uh, procedures of getting a firearm or the licenses to be able to get one. First of all, in the state of Illinois, you have to have a firearm owner's identification card. This is pursuant to the uh, Illinois a firearm owner identification card act codified as chapter 430 illinois compiled statutes act 65 that's illinois law that states that any person who chooses to possess or would desire to possess a firearm or ammunition you are unable to do so without having in your possession a firearm owner identification card now this card does not allow you to carry the firearm it merely uh, outside of your residence or fixed place of business or abode anything that is fixed that you you own or that you uh, have ownership to like a business in essence. Uh, it just allows you to be able to purchase that firearm and ammunition and carry it on your person in those places that you own, your home, your fixed place of business, things like that. If you want to carry that firearm outside of that place and in a vehicle and in other places as authorized by law, that's where the Illinois Concealed Carry Act or the Illinois Concealed Carry Card comes in. And that is pursuant to the Illinois Concealed Carry Act, Chapter 430, Illinois Compiled Statutes, Act 66, which uh, authorizes you after taking a 16-hour course where you have to go and experience a live fire component of uh, 21 rounds out of 30 rounds possible. Um, after you experience this course and go through this course, you're eligible to apply for the Illinois Concealed Carry License. And if you've been following Illinois uh, gun history, if you will, uh, you will notice that there are some people who have valid FOID cards who have been denied the concealed carry license. And this has just always baffled me. As a uh, former law enforcement officer out of the state of Illinois, former military veteran, uh, but more specifically a law enforcement officer in the state of Illinois, you know, this has always baffled me because if you qualify for the FOID card, then you should qualify for the concealed carry license because, you know, what's to say that a person who has a valid FOID card, uh, as it's abbreviated and as it's said, uh, what's to say that just because you tell me that I can't carry it on my person that I'm not going to carry it. I'm still in possession of the firearm. And so if I don't care about the law, I could break the law and carry that firearm and commit a dastardly act just like Gary Martin did on that fateful day. Uh, I keep saying September. We keep thinking about September 11th. But on that fateful day of uh, February 15th. So let's look at what it takes for you to even get the FOID card. First of all, the FOID card is nothing more than a simple name and uh, date of birth check through the law enforcement agency's data system. It takes about approximately 35 days for you to get your FOID card from the Illinois State Police Firearm Services Bureau in Springfield. Okay, uh, It does not require that you submit yourself to fingerprinting as a part of the application process. And, they, and because I process a lot of FOID card uh, applications and a lot of concealed carry applications for persons who may not be computer literate or who may... Who probably just don't have the time to sit down at the computer and actually do them. We process them uh, for them and give them the venue to be able to process them themselves if they so choose. And they ask the following questions. Have you ever been convicted of a felony under the laws of this or any other jurisdiction? Are you currently the subject of pending arrest warrants, prosecution, or proceeding for an offense or action that could lead to the disqualification 
for you to own or possess a firearm. Within five years, have you been convicted of battery, assault, aggravated assault, violation of an order of protection, or substantially similar offense for which a firearm was used or possessed? Have you ever been convicted of domestic battery, felony or misdemeanor, aggravated domestic battery, or a substantially similar offense? Have you ever been adjudicated a delinquent minor for the commission of an offense that if committed by an adult would be in a felony? Are you currently the subject of an existing order of protection or a no contact, no stalking order within the previous year? Have you failed a drug test for which a drug you did not have a, or a drug test for a drug that you did not have a prescription for? So it, as you can see, it asks you a lot of thorough questions, regardless to how thorough the questioning may be. It still is uh, it still is contingent upon you being truthful and honest okay and then you click on the buttons either yes or no if it's yes it asks you for more details if it's no you just move on to the next question after that you solemnly swear under the penalty of perjury that the answers on the application are true and you know you you're being given the threatened threatening warnings which pop up on the screen that perjury is a class such as such felony and that you could be charged with it and all these other admonishments before you submit the application so uh Asking for the Illinois concealed carry, okay, and I was trying to come into two points that was kind of conjoining at the same time. Looking at the actual concealed carry process, it's a more lengthy process in that it asks you uh, for a 10-year address history. After asking you for that 10-year address history, then it asks you to upload your certificate that you have been trained. Other and, or, and then it asks you for fingerprinting information. Other than that, there really is no difference in the application process except for the, the asking of additional address history, the uploading of your certificate, and I think it may ask you a couple more questions. Uh, but other than that, the process is pretty much the same. Now, in the state of Illinois, unlike other states, there is no mandatory requirement that you submit yourself for fingerprinting. The only thing that fingerprinting does for the Illinois concealed carry application is that it expedites how faster you are likely to get your license because that's less work that the state has to do. It's easier for them to receive the FBI and the state of Illinois information. Now, in the FOIA card process, when you insert the information into the Illinois Law Enforcement Agency's data system with a name and date of birth check, it only pops up information for the state of Illinois. And this was exactly the case in the situation of Gary Martin. In the situation of Gary Martin, that is exactly what it did. It entered or it popped up the information in Illinois' criminal history information that revealed no prohibiting factors for Gary Martin. And on January 31st, he was issued his firearm owner identification card. OK, now in March of that same year, Martin purchased a handgun and it was approved, of course, because he had a valid FOID card and the approval went through uh, as the uh, firearm uh, owner or the gun manufacturer, not the manufacturer, but the gun uh, shop ran his information through the Illinois State Police and there was nothing that popped up uh, and he was subsequently allowed to be able to purchase his firearm. However, 
Uh, and at that same time, at that same time, he also applied for the Illinois Concealed Carry License on March uh, 16, 2014. This is when the Illinois State Police received it. OK, now, unlike the Ford card application, we talked about that before. You can submit yourself to getting fingerprinted, but it is not mandatory. Well, Martin submitted fingerprints with his application because, of course, it's it, it's a it entices you to do so so that you can get your license back faster. Now, the difference between a name and date of birth check in Leeds is that it only pops up Illinois information. However, when you get fingerprinted and I can speak to this being an Illinois Department of Financial Professional Regulation licensed fingerprint vendor and the owner of a vendor agency, when you get your fingerprints or when you submit yourself for fingerprinting through us or through any other authorized fingerprint vendor agency or fingerprint vendor, it goes through the Illinois State Police Bureau of Identification and the Federal Bureau of Investigation. And that is what ultimately led uh, the staff to the mis uh, of the Mississippi Department of Corrections. Uh, they entered a a conviction that he had in his background in Mississippi for aggravated assault. Uh, and he was incarcerated for five years and he was released from custody April 18th of 1997. So because that information was given to the Illinois State Police by way of the FBI check, not the Illinois check, because he had nothing in Illinois, but out of state, he had a conviction which prohibited him from owning a firearm. OK, and that is the proverbial loophole that the Illinois State Police did not take into consideration that would have been uh, dealt with had they authorized or had they ordered in legislation that anybody who gets a FOIA card must submit themselves to fingerprinting. And you would think that the state of Illinois being the last state in the union to give by way of force, if you will, Illinoisans the chance or the ability, the legal ability to be able to protect themselves carrying firearms, you would think the legislature would have stated or would have authorized that anybody who, who wants to get a firearm not only has to submit themselves to fingerprinting, even just to get a FOID card, but must go through some kind of training. And if you followed me since you've heard of me from 20, I would say about 2015, 2016, and you followed me as I've, you know, put these podcasts out or put, have media appearances, been on Fox News nationally, Fox News locally, Fox 32 News locally, you have heard me state this before. You would think the sound mind of the Illinois legislator, the Illinois General Assembly would have said, hey, we want to make sure that because of the incessant violence that occurs in Chicago and because of Chicago being a violent city in certain parts of Chicago and things getting out of hand and, and the hatred, the incessant hatred that they have for guns, you would think that their sound minds would have said, hey, let's amend the Foyt Card Act to where we make it mandatory that you have to submit to fingerprinting and go through and go through a four or eight hour course in firearm safety coupled with a short live fire component. I don't know if I would want to go with that part for the FOIA card, at least a gun safety course. And then if you want to get the concealed carry license, then we put you through the 16 hour course with the live fire component. The 16 hours plus the four hours is 20 hours, which is half, at least half of what Illinois police officers have to go through to be able to carry a firearm. As a former law enforcement uh, instructor and a current 
uh, a current certified instructor with the Illinois Law Enforcement Training and Standards Board, having been certified as a law enforcement firearms instructor, all law enforcement officers in the state of Illinois have to go through a 40-hour firearms course. So at least, right, allow the average civilian to go through 20 hours, four hours for the uh, FOIA card and 16 hours for the concealed carry. That combined is 20 hours. I mean, for crying out loud, look at what we put our armed security officers through. They have to go through 20 hours of unarmed training and then an additional 20 hours of armed training just to be an armed security officer for the total combination of 40 hours, right? So if we demand more of our security officers that they go through a total of 40 hour firearm training, and then we demand more of our police officers that they go through a 40 hour firearm training. And even then I can argue as a firearms instructor, that is not enough. I cannot tell you how many times I've had sworn police officers and I it reach out to me. I got the proof of how uh, my former chief of police and I got into a heated email discussion. I will show you the emails, the a heated email discussion of why when I tried to raise the standards of our police officers to be better trained than how they are. I got almost nearly terminated by this uh, police chief because raising the standard would actually have shown the inadequacies which our police officers are trained and how they need to be trained more. And so it's just utterly disgusting. But I digress. I mean, it still proves the point, but I don't want to digress from the main point of this podcast. You know, we should require more of our citizens that they get trained, right? Four hours for the FOIA card, 16 hours for the concealed carry, a combined total of 20 hours firearms training. And we should make it mandatory that they have to submit to fingerprint background checks. This would allow the Illinois State Police to have better information in front of them to either approve or deny, approve or deny a person such as Gary Martin, or uh, I think that's his name, Gary Martin, approve or deny him the license. Now, that having been said, let's continue. Illinois State Police's procedure at the time was to notify local law enforcement where the FOIA card holder resides. Now, do they really do checks on whether or not you live at that location? No, they really don't. The only thing they do is your your secretary of state uh, information uh, has to be updated. OK, and this is your driver's license or your state ID and that the information that you've entered into the Illinois State Police Firearm Services Bureau online application system must match what the secretary of state has on file which means you can give both addresses and not even reside there. Who the heck is going to check? Illinois State Police has said all the time that they are short staffed. They don't have the staff to be able to check. So who's going to check? If you live in Chicago and you get in trouble, they might check. Cook County might check. But any place else, such as Aurora, which is in Kane County, they may not check. You think about it. In areas where crime is less and opportunity abounds and there's jobs, money, status. Law enforcement is failing to protect those people. And I have said it countless and countless of times again. You hear certain black folks saying the criminal justice system is not designed to protect 
black folks. You hear people saying this, black folks saying this, but apparently the criminal justice system is not designed to protect whites either or anybody else. How is a system that is supposedly designed to protect non-white or, or supposedly designed to protect white folks as opposed to non-whites failing whites all the time? These active shooters are mostly white. The where the locations where these people are being shot are in mostly uh, uh, are the areas where it's mostly affluent or affluent, however you want to say it. It's in areas where. There is money. There is status. There is alleged or actual privilege. You have law enforcement officers or agencies heavily funded. Look at Aurora. Yeah, crime does happen in Aurora, but you're talking about comparing Aurora to Chicago. You had an Aurora SWAT team. In fact, 10 SWAT teams from other areas, uh, state, county, local, federal, all that great stuff. And nobody was able to stop a Gary Martin until after he had shot and killed five people, shot five officers. And then after a one and a half hour standoff where they had to search a large plant, they were able to locate a Martin shot. And then they shot back, ultimately taking his life. Look at how long this situation lasts in an area that is funded, in an area where it is status. It's much better than Chicago. I'm just or in certain parts of Chicago, I'd say. I mean, really? The system is failing, you know, uh, let's look at for, uh, continuing the Illinois State Police. When they say when they uh, revoke your FOIA card or when they revoke your concealed carry license, one or them both, they send you a letter and the letter tells you that it's been revoked. Why it's been revoked. And it tells you that you need to submit your fire, your FOIA card and your concealed carry license to the nearest law enforcement agency, along with your guns. Now, it does allow that you can submit your guns to another person who is a licensed uh, FOIA card holder. OK, and I can state having been wrongfully accused of a domestic situation for which I was ultimately found not guilty. Thank God for me having video proof and thinking like a lawyer to be able to fight these cases in court. OK, and it's not many. If you want to ask me, come on down. I'll show you. I'm transparent about those two. I have been through this process, so I'm not just speaking on something that I don't know. I'm speaking on something with which I have intimate knowledge of. OK, subject matter expert of this, if you will. Right. They send you a letter and you have to download a firearm disposition uh, record uh, sheet and it is downloadable online. OK, you list the name, make, model of your guns, the serial numbers and the location where it is. If it's with the Chicago Police Department or the the uh, the uh, uh, neighboring police department, the Aurora Police Department, the Kane County Sheriff's Office, Cook County Sheriff's Office, whatever the case may be, where it is. And you have to send that letter to the Illinois State Police and they threaten you with admonishments. If you don't, they're coming after you. Well, the Illinois State Police currently has no record of receiving a firearm disposition record for Martin or Martin's FOIA card at the time of inquiry. And his FOIA card application was denied in 2014. 2014. Let that ring in your head. 2014. He had a FOIA card in 2014, right? January 31st. But his concealed carry was denied in 2014. Here we are some almost five years later. Yes, I'm shouting. Five years later, this incident happens. This incident happens. 
February 15th, another doggone month and a few days, it would have been, what, six years? I don't know, five years, you get it, you get it, what I'm saying, right? Five years later, five years later, here we are, this situation happens. So he was in possession of a firearm that he was not supposed to have five years later. Now, if a revoked FOIA card holder fails to comply, the county sheriff or law enforcement officer or agency where the individual resides may petition the court to issue a search warrant for the FOID card and any firearms that they had in their possession. But Illinois law, here we go, the Illinois legislature does not require them to do so. Don't live in Chicago. Oh, they're coming for your guns. Don't live in, in Cook County. Oh, they're coming for your guns. Right? And in fact, most of the objections come out of Cook County. Most of the objections come out of Chicago, obviously being the most populous area in Illinois, right? But how is it that there is not a thorough and comprehensive review of the loopholes and the enforcement strategies that need to take place so that Illinoisans who are not supposed to have firearms don't have them. But let a person who is authorized to have them and should have them, they go through a, a boatload of red tape. The Illinois State Police is slow in approving applications. I mean, if you guys need help, why not hire qualified civilians such as myself, okay, or other people in the state of Illinois who are qualified, they can still remain civilians. They don't have to be sworn personnel, but hire them to take care of the review, the consistent review of these applications and allow them to do background checks, follow-up work. It's not hard. It is not hard. I, I, I just don't get it. And so how could this issue have been prevented at their level? Could let's just say if the Illinois State Police did everything they were supposed to do. Right. If the Aurora Police Department, because Aurora is trying to shift blame from what I see. Right. Well, it's not our fault. It, wait, 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 wait. If the Illinois State Police is required to notify. Let me go back up and look at this again because I want to see if Illinois law. OK, the procedure at the time was to notify local law enforcement where the FOIA card holder resides. The question is, one, did they notify? I'm pretty sure they probably did, but I don't know the answer to that question, but it is the question. Two, if they did notify, what did Aurora do to, to go and get those guns? You can't wash your hands of this, Aurora. You're a part of it if that's the procedure. And if the Illinois State Police Firearms Services Bureau chief can show that he or she or the Illinois State Police did their due diligence of letting the local law enforcement agency know. So it's not just the Illinois State Police. It's the Aurora Police Department. It's the Kane County Sheriff's Department because they have a responsibility too, in accordance with enforcing the Firearm Owner Identification Card Act and the Concealed Carry Card Act. Now, let's just say that Illinois did what they were supposed to do. Aurora did what they were supposed to do. Kane County did what they were supposed to do. Could this prevent, could this have prevented the situation that occurred in Aurora? My guess is no. 
Look, there are criminals who don't have FOIA cards all the time that get access to guns. There are criminals all the time that are convicted of felonies have possessions of guns or have possession of guns all the time. So there's no way to absolutely state that had they did what they were supposed to do, this could have been prevented. For crying out loud, on the door of the Henry Platt Company, there is a sign, the authorized sign, at the appropriate height that tells persons entering that building that according to the Illinois Firearm Concealed Carry Act, Chapter 430, Illinois Compiled Statutes, Act 66, you are not authorized to carry a concealed firearm or any firearm in this building. Did that stop Gary Martin? No, it did not. So not only did he violate Title 18 United States Code, which prohibits a person convicted of a felony from carrying a firearm, right? Not only did he violate, which is obviously the criminal uh, codes of the uh, federal government, the United States criminal codes, right? Not only did he violate Chapter 720, Illinois Compiled Statutes Act 5, Section 24, which is the weapons section, aggravated unlawful use of a weapon. Not only did he commit the crime, not only did he violate Chapter 430, Illinois Compiled Statutes Act 65 and 66, right? But he also committed the act of, we could argue, first degree or maybe second degree murder. I would argue first degree murder because he came in there with the gun with the intent to kill, a violation of Section 9-1 of the Illinois Criminal Code. But he will never stand trial because he is dead, along with the five who lost their life, along with the officers who responded and could not stop the threat. See, we place our hands in the lives of police and they do an honorable job, but there's no guarantee that they will be successful either. So what if anything could have stopped Gary Martin? I guarantee you the probability of him being stopped by an armed worker. I'm not talking about an armed security officer. Of course, the hit of the uh, Scott Hall, the CEO of Mueller Water Products, which owns the Henry Pratt, Pratt Company, stated, well, we're going to look at our shortcomings and we're going to see what, if anything, we could have done or can do in the future to prevent this from ever happening again. My argument is that it will probably never happen at your location again. Because now you will have armed security officers. Maybe you will allow concealed carry in your area by your employees. Maybe you will go through active shooter training. So the tragedy that often brings about the change will insulate your business from ever being intruded. But that does not mean it will never happen again. Workplace violence happens all the time and nothing will stop a bad guy with a gun than a trained good guy with a gun. There is a high probability that if one of your employees was authorized to carry, even though firearms has nothing to do with what your company does. This is another case that when you restrict the rights that a person has to protect themselves, you leave them defenseless against someone who is hell bent on exacting revenge. And you can tell that this was a go out in blaze of glory. He didn't stop at the five people he shot and killed who were immediately involved in the termination. He shot and wounded others, including the first responders, the police, and hid 
and shot it out with the responding police SWAT team, which ultimately cost him his life. He had a mission and that was premeditated and it was planned. And my guess is if, if Gary Martin knew that his buddies that he had worked with for over or for close to, if not over 15 years, if he knew that they carried at work, that would be something he would have had to have factored into his analysis as to whether or not carrying or shooting in that place would have been a good idea. See, I'm not going to go into this place of business and shoot where I work because I know that even though I go to the range and I'm good at what I do, obviously he successfully took five lives and shot five responding police officers and was able to hide deeply within the building for an hour and a half. Right. So he had to have had some knowledge. We keep saying that law enforcement is heavily trained and civilians don't know. Well, that's not true. In fact, civilians train more than law enforcement. Jeff Chudwin has a statement. He's a noted firearm, master firearms instructor, master firearms instructor and attorney as well. And chief of police. He has a statement that I subscribe to that the military trains and trains and trains for wars they may never fight. Police fight wars every day and rarely train. It's sad. But that having been said, if I know that I go to the range all the time with my buddy Tim and Tim goes to the range all the time with Steve, John, Melissa and Joan. And I know they carry all the time and all they do is talk about guns and guns are allowed to be carried here. And if I knew that my HR manager, they carry too. It's not open, it's concealed. And they're great at what they do. I'm not going to go in here shooting. I'm just going to accept my termination and walk out the door. Why? Because I know I may be able to get one, but somebody else is going to get me because the shots will draw them to me. They're trained. They're able. Tragedy happens when you least expect it. A smart adversary or an enemy attacks you where you think you are safe. And is it in that privilege, in that belief that because we live in a crime-free area, that work and opportunity is here, and that you know life and love and the American dream and the pursuit of happiness abounds here that it can't happen? How many more of these active shooting situations are Americans, especially white Americans, going to have to endure before you realize that you have to stop the threat, not legislate the threat? Because there is a difference between what a person can or cannot do, which is typically codified by rules, regulations and the law, than what a person will or won't do, which is typically codified or shown by a person's utter disregard for the law and their actions which show that irregardless to the law, I'm going to do what I want to do. Hope you've enjoyed this podcast. I hope this podcast brings about some change because there does need to be change in the legislative procedures in which a person does get a firearm and the expediency, if you will, with which a person is authorized to have it if they are so authorized, but not even then. Would that stop a person who's hell bent on doing something from doing that thing? 
The only way to stop a person with a gun who is not supposed to have a gun, who chooses to use it to take lives, is to have another person who is ready and willing to risk their life with skill, smoothness, speed, and violence of action. Not violence, but violence of action. Committance, if you will, or commission, whatever the word is, you get it. Committing to that action to stop that person from killing others at risk to themselves. It's only then will we start to see a change. Only then will we start to say that, hey, maybe it's not a good idea. I know other people carry in here too. Only then. Take care.